millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, March 10th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a bill to expand postpartum Medicaid coverage dies in the State House. And State Senator David Blunt of Jackson weighs in on the billion-plus dollars in federal money the legislature has yet to allocate. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A state Senate resolution backed by the Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman aims to terminate financial relationships between Russia and the state of Mississippi. This in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The resolution would, quote, sever all economic, financial and other connections with the Russian Federation, its leaders and its businesses. If passed, it could have implications for the state public employees retirement system or PERS. Right now, though, the agency says it has no plans to divest from Russia. Here's PERS Executive Director Ray Higgins. Ultimately, as fiduciaries, our primary focus is to do what is best for the membership in the system. As part of the diversified portfolio we maintain at PERS, we do invest some in international holdings. The exposure to Russia is relatively small as a percent of the total. Most of this is in equities and a large portion is in a global index fund. PERS, along with its outside investment consultants and external money managers, will continue to closely monitor the ever-evolving financial, legislative, and regulatory environment to comply with legal requirements as we fulfill our fiduciary duty to the fund. The resolution regarding Mississippi's economic ties to Russia has been referred to the Senate Rules Committee. A bill to guarantee up to 12 months of postpartum Medicaid coverage to eligible mothers has died in the State House. It had passed the Senate with overwhelming bipartisan support. Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney advocated for the bill during his appearance on Mississippi Edition yesterday. The postpartum for all mothers that have children, I think that's pretty dead gum important for the state because generally speaking, the people that are on Medicaid are usually very young folks that are in the childbearing age, and they need to be healthy. And, and look, it's just real simple. You've got a healthy population. You've got a healthy workforce. If you've got a healthy workforce, uh, your economy is good. So most people are just looking for good law enforcement or safe place to live, and they want a decent job, and they want decent health care. 
Dr. Anita Henderson is the president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She speaks with MPB's Kobe Vance. Senate Bill 2033, which was um, authored by Medicaid Chairman, Senate Medicaid Chairman Kevin Blackwell, would have extended postpartum coverage for Medicaid moms from 60 days to 12 months. And we were very supportive of this bill. Um, pediatricians and family practice doctors, obstetricians, the entire medical community was very supportive of this bill because we know that healthy moms are more likely to have healthy babies. So we know that this bill would have improved the health of moms and babies in Mississippi. Whenever you say improve the health, um, how could postpartum Medicaid expansion accomplish that? What we see um, when moms lose their Medicaid coverage 60 days after delivery is that they then lose um, the ability to have their asthma treated, their high blood pressure treated. They no longer have access to providers to treat their mental health, their postpartum depression. So what we see is an interruption of health care. And when that health care is interrupted, we are more likely to see complications. In Mississippi, um, about a little over 60% of all deliveries occur to moms who are on Medicaid. So traditionally, those moms lose their health care coverage at 60 days. What we've also found is that over a third of pregnancy-related deaths occur six weeks postpartum. So expanding or extending that health care coverage to 12 months would help prevent some of those complications, including cardiovascular disease, mental health illnesses, um, and other complications that we see typically after those 60 days after delivery. Unfortunately, in Mississippi, a large percentage of moms have some sort of health condition, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, asthma, so we have a lot of moms who are susceptible to disease. Also in Mississippi, unfortunately, black women are three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications compared with white women. So this is also um, a disparity issue, and it is something we really um, were hoping to get this legislation passed so we could um, help improve those, the health of all those moms. Now that this bill is, uh, is dead... What are the plans for the future? Do you see the legislature coming back to address this again next year? We know that this 12-month postpartum bill had bipartisan support within the House and the Senate. It passed overwhelmingly um, in the Senate Medicaid Committee and in the full Senate. So we know we have champions in the legislature on both sides of the aisle. So we will continue to work with them. There are um, some other areas and other ways where we could possibly work towards um, getting this postpartum coverage um, passed. Some states have done um, state plan amendments or 1115 waivers. That would require um, some additional work, and we will continue to work with the legislature and the Division of Medicaid on anything we can do to help get these moms uh, health care coverage. I also wanted to ask, you know, when it comes to this health coverage, what can a healthy mother mean for a child? And in terms, what could extending these benefits do for children in Mississippi? Could it help lower Mississippi's infant mortality rate? Absolutely. We, we are, unfortunately, number one in infant mortality um, in preterm birth. 
And that is also one of the reasons we really um, were hopeful for this bill to be passed. Moms who have health care coverage in between pregnancy, 12 months after pregnancy, are less likely to have a preterm birth. They are more likely to have spacing of pregnancies, which helps them to be healthier and deliver a more, um, more likely to have a healthy baby. So if we could get that passed, we could help improve our infant mortality rate. The other thing we know is that um, these babies need moms who can have their um, mental health taken care of. If, if moms are healthy, they're more likely to be able to participate in the workforce, be able to take care of children, have any sort of mental health conditions cared for. So if we want um, our Mississippi children to grow up healthy, to get good education, to participate in the workforce moving forward, we really need to do everything we can to make sure our moms um, have the best chance of a healthy pregnancy. What would you tell Mississippians who might be concerned about the potential costs of introducing this type of uh, benefits for mothers in the state? We know um, that that programs like this show um, cost savings down the road. Every preterm birth uh, costs much more to the Medicaid system than a full-term birth. A preterm birth can cause upwards of $500,000 in hospitalization costs, whereas a full-term birth costs anywhere from three to $4,000. So you can see, and states who have enacted such legislation have seen lowering of their Medicaid costs overall. So plans like this, programs like this, actually save the state money. They save taxpayer dollars. Um, by lowering preterm birth rates, and of course, they save uh, lives of moms and babies. Is there any other legislation y'all are looking at right now? We have several areas um, that we're continuing to work with on on Medicaid, on a rate freeze, on telemedicine. Um, but this this bill, this postpartum bill, was one of the ones that we as pediatricians were most interested in and most encouraged about prior to today. So, so there's still much work to be done, and we look forward to working together with the House and the Senate on a number of bills moving forward. Dr. Anita Henderson is president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Republican House Speaker Philip Gunn defended allowing the bill to die on the calendar. He told the Associated Press, quote, as I said very publicly, I'm ex- opposed to Medicaid expansion. We need to look for ways to keep people off, not put them on, unquote. Coming up, State Senator David Blunt of Jackson weighs in on the billion-plus dollars in federal money the legislature has yet to allocate. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi's Woodward Hines Education Foundation has awarded a million-dollar grant to the nonprofit Public Education Forum. This is part of Woodward Hines' Ascent to 55% program, which aims to boost higher education attainment for young people in the state. Jim McHale is president and CEO of Woodward Hines, which is a financial supporter of MPB Think Radio and Mississippi edition. He speaks with Kobe Vance. In October of uh, 2020, the Education Achievement Council um, established a goal to increase the post-secondary um, rate of um, currently in Mississippi, which is about 44.5 percent, to try to increase it to 55 percent by 2030 and 60 percent by 2035. And the reason of that is because we know nationwide 65 percent of all jobs need some type of education beyond high school. And if we want to be able to recruit the types of jobs here to Mississippi and help more Mississippians get the types of jobs that will help them lead to economic self-sufficiency, we've got to look at ways of increasing that post-secondary attainment rate. What does that look like for students in Mississippi uh, who are trying to go to their post-secondary education? Sure. Well, you know, um, students in Mississippi, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of barriers in the way. One, we have too many students who aren't getting the proper advising in high school, not to criticize counselors, but counselors just don't have the bandwidth, nor do they necessarily have the training on how to advise students of, you know, what is the proper fit? um, How am I going to pay for college? You know, if you're a first-generation student, those conversations are taking place at home. So how do we get in front of more students to tell them that they are college material and here's a way to do that? Also, we have to look at the costs. That's one of the biggest issues that we support students with, is trying to figure out how they're going to pay for college. And so we fill out the FAFSA form, which if you're a first-generation student and you look at that form of 120 questions, you're going to say right away, well, I'm not college material. So we want to ease that burden and we can fill that out for them. And then we've got to be looking at student financial aid in, in Mississippi. Um, our current financial aid program does not meet the needs and the goals of our state. It was designed last in the 1990s when a year of tuition at a public university was $2,500 a year. It's now $9,000 a year. And when you put room and board and tuition and fees on that, it's $25,000. So we also have to look at how can we get financial aid to part-time students and and adult students. Nationwide, 40% of um, college students are between the ages of 22 and 40. And we really have to look at how we can reach more of that adult population who's interested in going back to school to get some type of certificate degree. A big problem is Mississippi has called, you know, quote-unquote brain drain, you know, where students get to college in Mississippi and then leave to other states to work. You know, is the program uh, able to incentivize Mississippians to stay in the state once they graduate? Well, you're really raising a critically important point, and that's one of the issues that we really need to be looking at. Also is, you know, what is the quality of life that is going to keep a Mississippian um, from, from leaving the state? Also, do we have the types of jobs that are going to be able to benefit from that individual's um, education and, and degree? So this is not a, an easy problem to solve. It's going to require all of us, from economic development people to legislators to local public officials to people in education, uh, the nonprofit sector, philanthropy. But um, I really think that Mississippi has an opportunity to really reach that North Star of educating more Mississippians. Is there anything in the legislature you've been watching that you think could help students in Mississippi? 
Well, I've been encouraged about some of the support that Accelerate Mississippi has been able to, to receive to um, train more individuals. But I think uh, this coming year we've really got to sit down and put together what is our legislative agenda, such as addressing the issues of, of student financial aid. And I'm sure there's a laundry list of others if you talk to other college and university presidents as well as students and their, and their parents. Jim McHale is president and CEO of the Woods Hines, Woodward Hines Education Foundation. Still ahead, State Senator David Blunt of Jackson weighs in on the billion-plus dollars in federal funding the legislature has yet to allocate. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi's legislature is sitting on a war chest of federal stimulus dollars, but it's not yet clear how that money will be spent. The state Senate has put forth a proposal for allocations that focuses heavily on water and sewer infrastructure. The House is expected to respond with a plan of its own, but so far... That plan is nowhere to be seen. David Blunt is a Senate Democrat from Jackson. He shares his perspective on the issue with MPB's Michael Guidry. The federal government has sent to the state of Mississippi $1.8 billion of one-time federal money that can be used primarily for infrastructure. The Senate has a plan to spend that money. Most of it is being spent on water and sewer projects all across the state. That's exactly what we ought to be doing. $750 million in the Senate plan dedicated to water and sewer. This money is federal money. It's one-time money, and it's got a deadline to be spent. And it's, it's essential that we finish this session with this money allocated so that people can go to work fixing water and sewer systems, and also other infrastructure needs all across the state. And what is that deadline, Senator Blunt? The end of 26, 2026. So uh, this is something that we need to get started on right now. The needs are great. Obviously in Jackson, and I represent part of the city of Jackson, the water problems are severe. But there are water problems all across Mississippi in small towns and rural areas. Uh, and this one-time money needs to be allocated now so people can get to work. Is that money need to be spent by 2026 or just simply appropriated by 2026? Spent. Spent by 2026. Okay. I'm going to go back to say why, why you, what, your, what your focus um for this funding is, and you said a good chunk of this, $750 million around, is going towards water infrastructure. You mentioned Jackson. Why is such an investment needed, and why is it needed you know, sooner rather than later? Well, this is going to be a, a massive undertaking. We know that these repairs are needed all across the state. We know uh, that we have a one-time opportunity to fix this thanks to uh, the actions of uh, President Biden and Congress to send this money to Mississippi, uh, and we need to get to work. The water systems in particular can only get money in one way, and that's by people paying water bills. And so if a water system has to make repairs 
to pipes or a sewer system has to make repairs to a sewer system, the only other place they can get money is raising rates on their customers. And that is, in effect, a tax increase because you have got to have water and you've got to pay your water bill. So that's why it's so important that the state, now with this federal money, and we hope to match it with additional state money, can help those water systems all across Mississippi and Jackson and everywhere else make those repairs so those systems don't have to raise water rates on their customers. Can you explain some of the challenges that the Mississippi legislature, the Senate in particular, uh, the plan that you have, what challenges are you facing right now when it comes to making sure that this gets out of our state legislature uh, and that money gets rolling into the hands that, it, that need it most? Two things. The Senate has released a plan for all of this money, and it's been publicly available for months. Uh, we need the House to release their plan. Uh, and we recognize that there will be differences, and, and those need to be negotiated. And that's part of the process. But the, the way you start is to publicly release your plan uh, for the money. Secondly, there have been prominent state leaders who have attempted, who have said, who have said that we should hold off on spending this money until we have an income tax cut. That is. A terrible mistake. Look, people are entitled to their opinions on an income tax cut, and I'm happy to talk to you about my opinion. But we cannot link these two things. We need to get to work on fixing water and sewer, and we all ought to agree on that. We all ought to agree on that. And if we move forward after that and we have disagreements about tax cuts, then we'll debate that and we'll vote on that. But we have got to get started on water and sewer now uh, before the end of this session. We can't play politics and trade votes with something as basic as water. All Democrats, all Republicans know that we need to put money in the ground to repair water and sewer systems all across this state. We all agree on that. We can't play politics or trade votes or cut deals on something that's this important that has a limited time frame and a one-time opportunity to be fixed. There's always a legislative session every year. There are political disagreements every year. That's the process. But this is something unique. It's something that's critically needed. It's something that both parties support. And we, need, we have got to pass it and get it done this session. Do you think it's plausible to get get it done this session based on some of the politicking occurring at the at the state capitol right now? Yes, I do. And in the case that it is, for some reason, it's not, uh, do you believe that the governor and chamber leadership will be in favor of a special session to get this money done if it's not met at by the, by the signed die deadline of the legislature? It would be entirely up to the governor. That's his... That's his prerogative, but uh, I hope it doesn't come to that. It's certainly not necessary. We're here, uh, and we, there is no need to go through the time and expense and delay of a special session. We're here, and we can get it done right now, and that's what we ought to do. One quick thing. Um, I know you're not one of the conferees for uh, the teacher pay plan, but you are vice chair of the Ed- Senate Education Committee. What's your pitch, um, if you could, your pitch for the the Senate's plan when it comes to raising teacher pay and why what you and Chairman DeBar and and that group came up with is the best thing for Mississippi teachers? 
Well, we we need to pass a teacher pay raise, a significant teacher pay raise this session. The Senate's passed uh, a good plan. We've passed a good plan three times. The House plan is really not that different. I think the Senate plan is preferable, but we're really not that far apart, and we just need to get in the room and figure it out. David Blunt is a state senator from Jackson. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, it's Autocorrect. At 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. See you tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Have a good day.